Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. I thought uh, what we'd do, take a seat, Pastor Tim. Wow, they're low. They've done these for you. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Wow. How good's that? You're the guest in the... Anyway, that's all right. I'll talk to my team about that afterwards. Um, Pastor Tim, I just thought we'd just spend a couple of minutes before we get you up there to preach. And uh, first things first, how good is this? We normally have a countdown clock up here. Before the service, it broke. So I'm about, I'm about to say to a visiting pastor from the States, you've got no countdown clock, just go for as long as you like. Come on. I'll be done at midnight. Come on. So we're only doing one service today. It's going through till five o'clock tonight. So I just thought we'd get to know Pastor Tim a little bit because when it comes to it, let's have a look at us. We're different, right? Firstly, I've got two daughters. You've got two sons. Different. I live in Hobart. You live in Irving, Texas. Irving. Irving. Different. Irving. I can't sing. And at age 19, you were a freestyle hip-hop champion of America. It's different. I can't dance and neither can you. Yes, I can. Different. Different. I've dunked the ball when I was 18 years old. You've never dunked it. Different. Come on. You sat under the uh, tutelage of T.D. Jakes for 13 years. I didn't. Correct. <laughs> Pastor Tim, uh, you grew up in L.A. In, uh, in, uh, where, were you, where were you? So Inglewood, California. Um, the original home of the Showtime Lakers. Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Byron Russell. Uh, uh, yeah, all of those guys, yeah. And growing up, uh, from what, I, what I've spoken to you about, um, can I tell you one thing? Since I met Pastor Tim about five or six days ago, he has been so generous of his time to me. Uh, there was never anything that was too hard for him. He was open with his time. I got an opportunity last night to spend an hour with him just talking on preaching tips, communication tips. Uh, to just sit under the tutelage of a man like this for one hour was, was gold. And I believe will hopefully help our church moving forward. But uh, Pastor Tim, you grew up uh, with, with parents who were Jesus followers. In fact, they, they were lay pastors of a church, is that right? That's correct. So my parents... Uh pastored a church uh, in California bivocationally for 15 years. It's the church that I gave my life to Christ in, January 14th of 1996. My dad worked for the U.S. Postal Service for 33 years, and my mother worked for the Los Angeles Police Department for 30 years. Wow. Wow. So you, I mean, you had the understanding of who Jesus was in your life. You had the understanding of going to church. You had those disciplines in your life. You knew what a Bible was. You knew what prayer was in your life. I heard it said once that you were a, a church boy with a dark secret, though. Is that right? That's correct. So um, I, I was born and raised in church, right? Uh, but, um, and, my, and my parents, you know, we had devotion every night and praise and worship and sure. all this stuff. Um, 
but I didn't give my life to Christ until I was 20. And there's a huge difference between going to church and being a part of Come the on. church. It's a huge difference between um, uh, reading the Bible and then letting the Bible read you. Wow. Two different things. Yeah. Two different things between singing a song and then being a part of the song you sing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there was a dark secret in that um, uh, a neighbor from that lived across the street from me um, sexually abused me for six months. Wow. Wow. And you were eight years old? I was eight years old when that happened. Eight? Yeah. And... That's horrifying for anybody, but an eight-year-old. I mean, how did you mentally try and understand what is happening in my life here? I mean, I'm, I'm from a church-based family, yep. yet this is happening to me. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's no way that an eight-year-old can contextualize being sexualized at that age. Mm. It's just absolutely impossible. Uh, eight-year-olds are playing with uh, toys and wanting to go out and play in the mud, have fun, run around. There's no contextualization of sex for an eight-year-old. So um, if, if, you, if your skin is violated in that way, mm. uh, you don't have a place to put that um, because uh, in the natural progression of um, a person's life, that's, that's not a part of the brain wiring that's supposed to be fired up at that age. Sure. So the, the short answer is I didn't know what to do with it. Sure. At all. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into all of it because you're going to preach through this, but what that did was created, uh, you know, it created other elements that came through in, in pornography and all sorts of things in your life. Yeah. As you're trying to understand what is happening to me, yeah. you're going, okay, well, I've got to look out there and see what's happening out there. Yeah. So, so yeah. So what happens is when, when, when the, when the body and the brain experience trauma, uh, if you don't have words for that trauma, you're going to have actions for that trauma. Mm. Well, whatever doesn't come up and out of us in words will come up and out of us through actions. Mm. So somebody that punches their fist through a wall uh, has the inability to communicate their frustration. Yeah. That's why they punch stuff sure. or people. Um, uh, anybody that's an, an addict of anything, whether it's pornography or smoking or drinking or whatever has an inability to articulate, to put into words mm. what they are feeling. Therefore, they medicate. Wow. Wow. I'm going to, I just feel right at the moment, I'm going to, to pray because I believe that the message that, that Pastor Tim is going to bring us this morning is going to break open some things here today. And so I'm just going to ask if, uh, if you're new to church and you haven't prayed before, I'm just going to ask you, we're just going to close our eyes. I'm going to stand up and I'm just going to pray because I'm really, really believing that in the next six, 40 minutes or so, that God is going to do a work in people's lives. And it may not have been the same story that Pastor Tim has, but there are areas of our life where we feel violated, we feel trauma, we feel brokenness, and I'm believing that God is going to do a work of freedom through this. So why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you, Lord God, that every person that is meant to be here is here today. I want to thank you, Lord God, that you are already at work in people's lives, that you have gone before us. Heavenly Father, you have a path for us. You have a purpose for us us. You are guiding us. And Lord God, we just pray that there is, there is this freedom, that there is these chains broken, that there is these shackles released, that, that the message will speak through to people. 
Heavenly Father, this is you speaking through your servant here. This is you speaking, Lord God. And we just pray that it is on people's hearts in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you give it up again for Pastor Tim as he comes and brings us the word of God. Hi. I love you. It's so good to see you. All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the Gospel according to St. John, chapter number 11. The Gospel according to St. John, chapter number 11. I'm so excited uh, to be with you all and to serve in Hobart. I, I, I mean, I get to go home and tell people that I spent the weekend in Hobart, Tasmania. Nobody is going to know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to have to pull out my Google Earth app and point to it on the screen. And they're going to be like, you were way down there? And I was like, yeah, those are all my people now. So if you ever go to Hobart, tell them I said hi. They'll know exactly who you're talking about. So um, uh, I'm so excited to, to teach this. And uh, here's what I want to let you know. If, 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 if what I uh, just shared... Uh, uh, talking with Pastor Sean resonated with you. If it's something that you've uh, been through yourself, I just want you to know I'm, I'm not coming to bring a dark cloud. I'm actually coming to bring uh, a rays of light. There, there, is, there, there is a healing and a breakthrough that can happen uh, no matter what type of traumatic or tumultuous background you've had. If, if, if what I said doesn't identify with you, yay you. But there are some things in your life uh, that, that can go from one level to the next if you would just open up and 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 stop keeping secrets so so the holy spirit is going to get very nosy with you in this in this message and, and you might feel very very uncomfortable uh, uh as i go through some of this stuff uh but i just want you to ask the holy spirit for boldness to get through it some of you all might wiggle around and go i need to go to the bathroom even though you don't need to go to the bathroom you just want to get out of the room uh, but but i want to tell you if you can listen to god speak to you in these areas then things that the enemy has lied to you about and said you're going to be trapped in this forever freedom can be yours today that's all i'm trying to tell you is that freedom can be yours today uh john chapter number 11 I'm starting at the 33rd verse. I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Just so you have context, uh, this particular passage of Scripture is when uh, 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 Lazarus, Jesus' friend, is sick. Mary and Martha have called their friend Jesus to come and, 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 and see about their friend. And, and there's uh, a situation that happens when he shows up that is absolutely intriguing to me. And I want to share it with you right now. Starting from the 33rd verse, here's what it says. When, when Jesus saw her weeping, because he shows up to this scene at the house, they, they, both Mary and Martha have kind of confronted him and said, if you would have came sooner, uh, uh, Lazarus would be alive. And so he sees them weeping and the other people wailing with her. A deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked him. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? 
But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. It's just too good. If you're taking notes on this message, and you should take some notes on this message, because I have some points to give you and a title and some things to put into context. If you're taking notes on this message, the title of this message is, You Have to Do It, with an exclamation mark. Not a period. That's why I had to put some force behind it, okay? Title of the message is, You Have to Do It. If you see somebody later that didn't come to this service and they say, hey, what did Tim talk about? You have to look at him and say, you have to do it. They're going to be like, oh, why are you, why are you so upset? I'm not upset, but I have to tell you, you asked me the title of the message and I have to tell you, you have to do it. Got to say it just like that. All right. Let's try it together, shall we? Sit up straight in your chair. The title of this message is what? You have Ooh, I like you all. Oh, Bart, my gosh. You want to... <laughs> Somebody's so excited. Let's do it again. All right, sit up straight again. Sit up straight, all right? Get your real pointer out. Ready? Say it with me. You have to... Okay, one more time. Really, really loud, okay? One, two, three. I like you. Now, bow your heads. Let's pray over the word, shall we? Holy Spirit, help us to do it. Amen. That's the end of the whole prayer. I pray quick. I, I want you to think about the type of friend that Jesus is. Je Jesus is a friend who will never leave you or forsake you. He will never deny you. He's absolutely faithful. He will always be there when you call. But, but I don't know if you've noticed or not, if you go through the gospel narratives, whether it's Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, Luke's gospel, John's gospel, Jesus seems to have his own pace. It's a graceful pace if you're Jesus. It's a frustrating pace if you're following Jesus. Anybody beside me can be honest enough to say that uh, walking with Jesus is sometimes frustrating. Anybody beside me? Okay, I just wanted to make sure that there were other honest people in the room. <laughs> you, ever, you ever ask God to do something 
and 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 you felt an, 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 a, a blessed assurance that he would. But like the time, though. Like today, Lord, I asked you today, do it today. It wasn't an urgent prayer, Lord. I don't need it done today. But before the end of the weekend would be great. Right, right. There's some things that, 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 are, that are very urgent and you're like, I need you now. God, I need you to come through right now. I'm dealing with one of those situations. My, my PA of seven years was diagnosed with gastrointestinal uh, uh, stage four cancer in November of last year. I, I want the healing now. I want the breakthrough today. I don't want her to go through chemotherapy anymore. I want her liver healed. I want all of those lymph nodes gone. And I want her free of cancer today. And Jesus, I believe he's coming. But he seems to be taking his own sweet time. This guy is very random. I mean, he's my Lord and Savior. I'm going to deal with it. But he's so random. You go back and you read uh, the, the first four verses in John to get a context of this. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Yay, you, Jesus, I'm glad you know that. Just get over there to the house and tell them. Because they can't hear you from here. And sometimes when we pray, he hears our prayers instantaneously. And he's going, oh, in seven months, you're never going to believe the breakthrough you're going to have. But you can't hear that from here in your little prayer closet. You didn't get the little angel didn't come back down with that message. So for the next seven months, you are freaking out because you have no clue a breakthrough's coming in seven months. I just wish Jesus would, you know, get, I mean, Gabriel is the messenger, right? Like, shouldn't he zoom about a little bit more and give us some more details at a faster clip, maybe? He goes on to say his disciples in 11, 12, 13, and 14, he says to his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Look at the way he's talking about this. But now I will go and wake him up. Then the disciples said, because they take him literally, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. Yay. He's not, he's, he's not sick unto death. He's just asleep. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus was dead. Sir. The language again. How come you just can't be clear up front? Why would you say he's sleeping if he's dead? If he's dead, plainly say he's dead. Because if he's sleeping, I'm going to think he's sleeping. 
You know, this did happen uh, uh, prior in John chapter number six. He says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. And many of his disciples said, mm. <laughs> And they left him never to return because all they heard was cannibalism. And Jesus knew that what they thought was cannibalism and he doesn't even explain himself. He actually says it five more times, even more disgusting than the first time. If you don't chew me up and wash me down with my own blood, you cannot be my disciple. Can you imagine my first time in Hobart? I open up the Bible. I read you that passage and said the title of my message. Please write it down. All note takers is eat me. <laughs> you would be absolutely offended and repulsed. They were too. Jesus doesn't even clear it up. And he lets all these people go away because sometimes Jesus will hit you with a hard saying just to test and vet your intentions of why you're following him. So, so sometimes he doesn't answer the prayer exactly when you want him to answer the prayer because he's vetting to see why you're following him in the first place. Is it for the fish and the loaves and the blessings? Or is it because you've really devoted your life to him? Scripture says he goes on to say plainly, in verse 14, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> How can I just didn't say that? And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. What? For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Now here's the thing that I want you to know uh, that is interesting about this entire narrative. Lazarus' name uh, means, in translation, one whom God helps. That's what his name means. How, how, many, how many people feel like Lazarus? You feel like a Lazarus, like I need God's help. I need his help every single day. Name me Lazarus. I'll go down to the registry and change my name tomorrow if I need to. But, but, but I know I need God's help on a daily basis. Lazarus is, 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 is sick, he's dying, and then he dies. And maybe they kept him out for a few hours, but as it is for Jewish custom, uh, the day you die is the day you get buried. You get wrapped up, spiced up, and buried. And they, and they, and they put him in a tomb, and, and they just thought, well... You know, I know Jesus is the resurrection. I know he's the life. Maybe, I mean, I thought he would have done it on this side. Maybe he's going to do it later. And Jesus shows up two days later into this scene. And, and when he shows up, he shows up and he does some things that, that, that seem incredibly strange to me. Because the way I grew up in church, what I was told and what, I, and what was always preached with, 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 uh, with strength is that when Jesus shows up, he changes everything. When Jesus shows up, he is going to turn everything around. When Jesus shows up, he is going to do everything that you need done. And then I read this narrative and I find out Jesus doesn't do everything. 
preacher's a liar. I'm just saying I read the book and it doesn't seem to line up with the sermon because Jesus showed up and he did not do everything. Jesus shows up in this moment and, and, and he does some things that, that no one else can do, but everything else they can do, he makes them do. See, I think we have a part to play in our freedom. I think we have a part to play in our deliverance. I believe we have a part to play in our healing. We have a part to play. And just to put it all on Jesus as if you have nothing to do or no part to play is something that the Savior doesn't even sign up for. So Jesus shows up to the scene. And when he shows up to the scene, he assesses the situation and a deep anger is on the inside of him because they have written an obituary and they have put Lazarus away uh, uh, even though they had called Jesus. They called Jesus and they believed he could have healed them, but they don't believe he could still do it at the present time. Some of us have seen things die in our lives and we were praying for it to be living or to, or, or to be resurrected, but now that it's died, you've pushed it to the side and Jesus is saying, I don't know why you did that. I'm still coming into that very situation. I'm still coming into that very sense of pain. I'm still coming into that very thing that you put away. I have something to say about it, but you've buried it. And I'm coming for it. I don't care how uncomfortable it's going to be for you. I'm coming for the thing that you buried. Not the thing that got sick, but the thing that was buried. So, so, I have, so I have four points that I want you to write down and, and, and it'll prove why uh, I, I've named this message. You have to do it. So here's the four points. Please write the first one down. You have to locate it. You have to locate it. John 11 and 34, where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. There, there, there are certain things that are in your life that are broken. There are certain things that are in your life that are buried. There are certain things that are in your life that are secrets and you've repressed them and you've suppressed them and you've hid them. And here's what God says. If you want me to do something with that thing, you have to locate it. You have to be self-aware enough to know that it is right here. You have to deal with that. You have to show me where it hurts. There has to be enough self-awareness on the inside of you that you can show me exactly where the pain is. Listen, there, 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 there is something to be said about being self-aware. Do, do you know that the first self-awareness question ever uh, uh, asked in the Bible was in Genesis chapter number three? Adam and Eve had sinned. They see their own nakedness. They go into the bushes and hide. And God's voice comes walking through the cool of the wilderness. And he asks Adam this question. Adam, where are you? This was not a geolocational question. Because God was not physically looking for Adam. He created him. He knew exactly where he was. This was a self-awareness question. Adam, do you know where you are right now? Do you know that you are hiding amongst the things that you are supposed to be managing? Do you know that you are hiding out amongst the things that you're supposed to be standing in front of? Do you know where you are? 
Because if you don't know where you are, I can't help you. If you don't know where you are, I cannot be the person that you need me to be if you don't acknowledge where you are right now. You have to locate it. I talked about uh, uh, the addiction that I had to pornography when I was 19 years old. Uh, 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 I remember uh, thinking to myself, it wasn't a prayer. It was just a thought that I had. This is before I knew that God will answer your thoughts, even though it wasn't a prayer. Um, uh, I, was, I was having this thought of uh, being so bound by porn addiction that, that I remember saying to myself, if, if my mom caught me, I'd probably so, be so embarrassed I would stop. That was not a prayer. I mean, I know God knows your thoughts are far off, but I'm like, come on, God. Until I put it into the form of a prayer, don't answer stuff that I'm just thinking about. Until I put, dear Lord, would you help? You just got to let me have my thoughts, bro. No. <laughs> he heard that thought and then thought to himself. It would be good if I let him get caught by his mom watching porn. So do you know what happened? Anybody want to take a guess? My mom caught me watching pornography on the big screen TV. This is the worst day of my life. But being the praying woman that she was, she didn't judge me. She didn't shame me. She went straight to her room, closed the door, hit her knees and started praying. In 15 minutes, I walked into that room. And I looked my mom in the eye and I said, Mom, I don't want you to think I'm nasty. I don't want you to think I'm a pervert. But I got molested when I was eight years old. And it was the very first time that I had shared with my mom that I was abused. About 30 minutes later, she woke up my younger brother. My younger brother would go on to confess that he got molested by the same person I did. Within two hours, my dad was home from work because he worked overnights. And my dad uh, uh, confessed that, that when he was five years old, he was abused by the comic book store owner. And then my mom would go on to confess that when she was six years old, that she was abused by her babysitters. So one night that should have been embarrassing and exposing turned into a night of healing and freedom and revelation because every single secret that was in that family came up and out with words to it because we all located the pain of our past. You have to do that part. When you invite God and say, free me of this stuff, you have to take them to the place you've buried the secret. And say, it's right there. I need help and it's right there. Point number two, please write this down. You have to expose it. You have to locate it and you have to expose it. You don't want God to do it for you. I learned this the hard way. You have to expose it. John chapter number 11 and verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. 
do, do, do you want a smell or do you want resurrection? Are you so afraid of the stench of your past that you do not want to smell the freshness of your future? You have to expose it. Oh, but it's so nasty. You have to expose it, but it's so dirty. You have to expose it. They're going to judge me. You have to expose it. But it's decaying. It's so creepy down there. I know it's, I know it's bad. I know it probably stinks. I know it's probably gonna, going to uh, 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 make an upheaval in your relationship. I, I, I know by confessing it that it's going to alter relationships forever. I, I, I know by bringing up the secret and exposing it that you have to risk somebody walking away from you or being angry with you or judging you. But listen, your freedom is more important than somebody else's feelings. And for you to get free, you have to be bold enough to say, I have to get this up and out. And I know it's nasty and I know it's creepy and I know this stinks, but it's right there. Jesus walks to the situation. He doesn't walk right past Mary and Martha. Do, 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 do. I know exactly where Lazarus is. I'll roll away the stone. I'll go down there and I'll touch him and I'll bring him up. Jesus shows up to do the only thing that he can do. Resurrection. Everything else you can do. Here's what he says. You do that. I didn't bury him. You did. You locate him. Where did you do it? Over there. Roll away the stone. <laughs> I didn't put him over there. You did. I didn't make it a secret. You did. So you're telling me to come free you. Here's what freedom looks like. It's messy. It's stinky. It's decaying. It is bloated. It is putrefying. It has rigor mortis. I was going to be a homicide detective. I can keep going. <laughs> the blood is congealing. <laughs> there, 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 there is still air trapped in the body. And so the dead thing is making noises. <laughs> dead bodies do that. Um, roll the stone away you have to expose it and when you expose it you expose it with the acknowledgement that I know I can't do anything with this that's what I did I told my parents that night listen I know why I'm medicating I'm not medicating because I, I, I like this I actually hate this I'm in bondage to it now my body's addicted to it but I never wanted to be here because listen nobody ever gets uh, uh, on drugs because they want to there's no eight-year-olds growing up going, I can't wait to be on drugs. <laughs> Nobody's writing that on their 10 years from now, what do you want to do as a career? Meth addict. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's saying I want to be drunk out of my mind every night to escape the pain that I'm in in my life. Nobody, nobody's doing that. Medication becomes, becomes because we can't cope with the traumas of our lives. And Jesus says, if you roll away the stone, uh, I, I can do something about that situation. So, so I exposed it. I told them, I said, hey, listen, here's the only reason why this is happening, because this is what happened when I was eight years old. And this become my medication and I can't get over it. I exposed it. I put it out there and I could not believe the love that God poured in. 
I cannot believe the acceptance that I received from those that were around me, not just my parents, but, but, but other friends and family. As I started to share the story, they, they, they became so inspired to, to, to get some things off of their chest and off of their heart as well. Within six months of me confessing that, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. This was the boulder that was over my heart that trapped me from receiving Jesus in the first place. I had too much trauma to receive love. And until I exposed that trauma to let Jesus into that spot, I couldn't receive him. And in this moment, I exposed it and everything started to change. This is, this is the part that's so awesome. Uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus shouts. This is point number three. Please write this down. You have to let it out. You have to let it out. Here's what it says in uh, John 11 and 43. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Now, this is the thing. This, let me tell you something. This is gangster. <laughs> I just want you to imagine. Jesus shows up. He's angry about the way they're fussing and huffing about everything going on. He weeps about the situation. And then he goes, where'd you put him? Right there. Great. Roll away the stone. Okay. You would think Jesus would go down there. He didn't even go down there. Like, this is like Jesus at his laziest. <laughs> he comes two days late, point to where the problem is, roll away the stone. Then he doesn't even go down there. Like wherever he's standing when they roll away the stone, he stays right there. And then he calls a dead man. Anybody tracking with me? You ever been to a funeral? You ever, you ever talked to him? No response, right? Because they're dead. You ever, you ever thought to yourself, how did he hear him? Because if you're dead, how do you hear somebody if you're dead? Oh, I know how. Uh, God is the God of the living, not the dead. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't talk about them in past tense. He talks about them like they're right here, right now, because he's the God of the living, not the dead. So if he calls you, even if you're dead, you have to hear him. Because if you're alive in him, you're alive all the way. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He doesn't call him like five times. I mean, think about it, parents. You, your kids are alive. <laughs> Tabitha! 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 Like the seventh time you call, she comes, huh? <laughs> didn't you hear me? No, mom, I didn't hear you. I called you seven times. What are you doing? They're alive. And it takes you seven times to call. Lazarus is dead. And he calls him. And he gets up. Now here's the thing about him getting up that is spectacular. Lazarus has been prepared for burial. Lazarus is wrapped up. He has a 
death napkin over his face, tied. And then he hears, Lazarus, come out. Mary, Mary, Martha, Martha, Sean, anybody? Because he's alive now, but he's still bound. He's experienced revival, but he still has on grave clothes. He's, he's, he's literally born again, but, but he still has some, some, some wrappings around him. So he's alive, but he's still in dead stuff. See, see, you can be alive and still have some issues. You can be born again and still have some problems. You, you, you can have given your life to Jesus and still have some dysfunction. On, on January 14th of 1996, I was a born again porn addict. I know that doesn't sound right, but it's the truth. On the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I would love to tell you that my porn addiction ended that day, but I was still wrapped up in it and I needed some time to get unwrapped from it. And God did not wait until I was unwrapped from it before he decided to call my name. And so I had to get up. Even in my stuff bound and I had to find a way to get to Jesus's voice because he was not coming to where I was he wanted me to come to where he was because when Jesus resurrects you, he calls you out of stuff. When Jesus comes into your life, he, comes, he calls you out of bondage. He calls you out of darkness. He calls you out of pain. He calls you out from addiction. He calls you out from low self-esteem. He calls you out from low self-worth. And so he has a thriller moment. And he hops out of the grave and he's in front of Jesus wrapped up and Jesus is looking at him what's up friend you look great can you imagine four days he stinks I mean think about your breath just when you wake up in the morning. Now think of four-day-old death breath. It's the last person you want telling you, hi. It's <laughs> so random. 
you have to come out. He's, he's not coming in there to get you. You have to get out of it. It's going to be a fight. You, you located it. You exposed it. But, but, but you have to let yourself come out. He's calling you, but, but he's not going to baby you. He, he's calling you, but he's not coming in to drag you by the hand and pull you out. He's saying, if you want to come out, all you have to do is listen to my voice. Keep following the direction of my voice. Keep following the, the direction of my word. Get connected into a small group. Go through the four weeks and get connected. Be here. Belong here. Build here. Come out from where you are into a deeper relationship with him. Which brings me to point number four. Please write this down. You have to let it be unwrapped. You have to let it be unwrapped. And I'm going to disappoint you. OMGZ, am I about to disappoint you? Are you ready to be disappointed? <laughs> Thank you. Somebody actually answer me. Yes. Please disappoint me, sir. I am ready for the disappointment. Right? You, you, you have to let it be unwrapped. Here's what it says in verse 44. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, and his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. You ready for your disappointment? Jesus is not going to unwrap you. You have to let others do that. Jesus came to resurrect you, but only in community will you be unwrapped. The reason why some of you all still have a secret, because you refuse to trust a person to share that with. And you keep bringing it to God and you, you're trying to figure out why you haven't been healed yet. Because you don't get healed vertically, you get healed horizontally. You can get saved vertically, but you get healed horizontally. It's within community that you let, start, you let people get close enough to you to start unwrapping you. Jesus doesn't even do this. How lazy is Jesus? You locate it. You roll away the stone. Now you unwrap them. Here's Jesus' thought. I didn't do that. Should have kept him in the bed till I got here. I'm not the one that had a lack of faith. You did. I'm not the one that put him away. You did. I'm not the one that wrapped him up. You did. So here's what I'm going to come do. I'm going to come give my resurrection power. And after I give my resurrection power, here's what's going to happen. You are going to get in community. And you're going to let some people unwrap you. You're going to let somebody get close enough. You're going, to, you're going to start opening up and trusting somebody. You're going to find out they're not going to preach it next weekend. They're not going to get on the phone and talk to four people about it. It's not going to be on social media in a veiled comment at the end of the night. I dealt with something sneaking today. No, you're going to find out that there's some people that love you enough to unwrap you. And they can deal with the smell of it. They can deal with the stench of it. They can deal with the horror of it. They can deal with the heartbrokenness of it. But you have to let them close enough to unwrap you. Listen, that was 23 years ago. Through the love of an incredible wife, Juliet, my best friend, Corey, my twin brother, Preston, my, my family and friends, for the last 23 years, they've helped me unwrap myself from that bondage. 
And I can tell you, I stand here today as a free man, not addicted to pornography, not walking around with low self-esteem, not medicating, not bitter from my past. I've forgiven my abuser. I live a free life, but it took some time. I'm telling you, if I had to do it, you have to do it. God didn't just do it for me because I was a preacher. He did it to me because I was his son. He'll do it for you because you're his son. He'll do it for you because you're his daughter. Now listen, we're going to pray in a moment. Pastor Sean's going to come up and I'm going to tell you something. There is no way you can hear this message and act like you didn't. Today is your day. And he brought me 9,000 miles from Dallas to tell you. Lazarus, come out! Your life is never going to be the same after today. Don't let fear keep you in your seat. Don't let your ego keep you in your seat. Don't let pride keep you in your seat. You can start an unwrapping today so you can start living in freedom tomorrow. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? I guarantee you while I've been talking, he's been, he's been speaking. And I believe that there's somebody that's about to walk in freedom today. Not, not because I've said something, but because you've heard something from the Lord. You've seen it in his word. You know for a fact that God doesn't love Lazarus more than he loves you. Lazarus, one who needs help from God. Us, people who need help from God. God, I pray that you would take this moment, do things that I cannot. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.